Welcome to the Open Book Test Podcast. I'm Allison Levy, and for 11 years, I advised the bright, ambitious students in Notre Dame's Mendoza College of Business. And now I've invited some of my favorite alums to share their stories with you. We talk about the key factors and the decisions they made to pursue a business degree, pick a specific major, and start down a certain career path. On an open book test, it's all about the resources you bring to the table, and these young professionals, representing all six of the majors Mendoza offers, are the best resources I know. They're an open book about what worked for them and where they might like a do-over. Let them help you feel more confident about the decisions you'll be making about your future and discover resources you didn't even know to ask for. What are we waiting for? Let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Fire Stationery. The spring career fair next week may be virtual, but your thank you notes can and should make a real and lasting impression. Order a set of high-quality, professional-looking cards that are as unique as you are to express your thanks for a great interview and your interest in bringing that same attention to detail to a continued relationship with the company. I promise you, they will make you stand out from the crowd in the best possible way. Check out their website today at firestationary.com to create the perfect cards to reflect your personality. I think it will be obvious from this conversation that today's guest, Colleen Spelder, and I have a little bit of a mutual admiration society going on here. I'm pretty sure I started almost every response with, I love that, and I do love so much that she has to share today. Colleen is definitely a glass-half-full kind of gal, but she's also clear about whether there's champagne or vinegar in that glass. Today's glass is full of encouragement and possibility, and you're going to want to drink it all in. So let's not waste another minute. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Colleen. It's great to see you as always. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, and we are delighted to have you. So I would say that you are a planner. Um, So my guess is that that started young. So tell us what you were planning as a high school student starting to think about college. I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C., and growing up, uh, I was involved in a lot of sports. I was on our yearbook staff, but I didn't really have a good sense for what I wanted to be or become, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that most people in my area either worked in um, the federal government or they were in the military, and I knew I didn't want to you know, go into the federal government or join the military. So going to Notre Dame for me was very much of a a purpose-driven, values-driven, faith-driven decision. And I knew I would be amongst a community of people that shared those same values. And I was hoping I would grow into the type of person that I aspired to be, somebody who embodied those values um, in the work that they did and in the way they carried themselves. But I didn't really have a clear idea of what that would mean in terms of a specific vocation or field of work. So when I came into Notre Dame, I didn't have a specific major in mind, but because of growing up in the D.C. environment, I thought that I might pursue political science. And I took a couple of courses that I really liked freshman year, but I had a a conversation with my mom, who, to her credit, was a business major herself in undergrad. And she encouraged me to look into Mendoza because at the time it was the number one business school, undergraduate business school in the country. And while I had no concept of what business was, I thought that that was a pretty good argument that it was the best school. And she, her, her rationale was, if you hate it, you can always switch to a different, to a different school. And I did actually hate it. I hated my first <laughs> semester. Um, I did not understand what accounting and finance were. I thought that, 
you know, people who pursued business degrees started small businesses. I, I didn't understand investment banking, consulting, all of that. But soon I found actually my second semester that, you know, a major that would be a good fit for me. And I think we'll talk about that in a bit. I, I love that you said you hated it the first semester, but obviously you stuck with it. So I think sometimes our first impressions are not our best impressions. So it sounds like you did not have a natural affinity for accounting or finance right from the get-go. So how did you select your business major? Sure. So I thought about marketing. Marketing at first seemed like a, a good fit for me, purely based on personality. I'm a creative person. But uh, there was a presentation that was done I think early on in my second semester of sophomore year, and it was a number of different people who worked in um, IT, who had received IT management or similar degrees. And they were talking about the kind of futuristic and dynamic work that they were doing in IT and how they were able to solve problems using IT, solve large-scale problems, social problems, environmental problems, and how IT was really that innovative way that they did that. And these companies they were working for sounded like they were tackling these problems in creative ways. And that really appealed to me. I didn't know what IT was before then. I kind of thought of it as very much the technical side of IT. But upon hearing from these different consultants, I got a much broader view of what IT could be. And then I started to dig into it a little bit more in these interesting fields, such as cybersecurity, big data, predictive analytics, And all of that was really interesting to me that I was going to be learning about these innovative areas that were new, they were fresh. We would be reading about recent studies talking about what different companies, you know, were doing in terms of response to cyber incidents and things like that, how they were using predictive analytics. And that all seemed very exciting to me. And while I had never thought of myself as a technical person at all, a a scientific person. Like I said, I'm a words person. I thought of myself as more marketing. That really appealed to me. And I really liked that I could still have those more creative marketing-like tendencies, those aspects of my personality that I might have found were more natural talents, but I could equip myself with a hard skill like IT that would allow me to navigate the business world with almost like a, a currency of sort to have a little bit more that I could offer in various different jobs. Now, and I love that you said you were thinking about marketing and yet you still were at a presentation for IT because that is one of the banes of my existence as an advisor was that I think students self-select out of those types of events very early. And I, I may have been at the same event you're thinking about if it was a panel discussion and it was riveting. There were about eight different grads. I think the oldest one was from 1984, which happens to be my year. And then the youngest one was about a year out or so. And they really did paint a very interesting picture. And I think one that a lot of people were not aware of all these various different opportunities. And of course, there were about 20 students in the auditorium. So I was so sad that more students hadn't heard that because I really think they did a great job of helping us all understand what the possibilities were. So good for you for being there. Exactly. And you know, I think sometimes you just need somebody else to help paint the picture for you. It's very hard sometimes to tell from a course catalog what exactly that major might lead to. I found that challenging. And even though the marketing courses seemed interesting, and I, I could pretty easily understand what a marketing job would look like, it took hearing, you know, all of it come together in the form of somebody who was actually in the field of IT to help me understand, oh, it's a lot more than just my intro to Excel class. It's a lot more dynamic than that. 
And I think there was also an element that appealed to me in, in being a woman in IT. There was a lot of talk about trying to bring more, you know, women into IT, both in the major, but also just, you know, out in, in the real world. Thankfully, been a lot more emphasis on that in recent years with STEM programs and education and internships. But I would be choosing to equip myself with a skill set that there weren't going to be a lot of other women with that skill set. And there were definitely times early on in my career where, especially in cybersecurity, myself and my wonderfully dynamic manager, Roberta Hansen, were the only two women in a room. And it was very empowering to have that experience early on in my career. And I'm just very glad that 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 even clicked when I was thinking about major selection. Yeah, that's great. And so it sounds like you picked it for all the right reasons and got a lot out of it. But even though you were majoring in IT, I would say that early on, your focus turned to social entrepreneurship and sustainability, which certainly could be a subset of IT in many ways, or you can certainly combine those. But how, how did I that focus come as about? As I talked about IT and how much I really did enjoy the major, I did find early on that social entrepreneurship while in undergrad and then corporate sustainability after graduating, that those really were my passion areas. At first, I didn't know how exactly social good and business came together. Um, when I first entered the business school, I, I didn't have a language with which to articulate that that was something I was interested in. And I, I had a, a wonderful academic advisor, Doug Hemphill, who I think heard bits and pieces about you know what I liked, what I didn't like about the business school. And, and in my sophomore year, he pointed me in the direction of Melissa Paulson, who has been one of the most influential people in my life and continues to be just such a trusted mentor and friend. And Doug Hemphill encouraged me to talk to her about what social entrepreneurship was. I had no idea what it was. I was a little lukewarm going into the conversation because I really didn't think that was me. But uh, Melissa Paulson opened my eyes to the whole world of businesses, for-profit and hybrid organizations that are actually achieving a social good through their business plan, business model, how it was much bigger than just Tom's. Again, at the time, that was what everybody knew of in terms of you know social good through business and how Tom's was only one example of this. And my understanding of how business could be used as a tool for social good evolved more and more as I graduated, you know, moved on to an actual corporate organization and started to see that even large corporations were in very creative ways achieving social good through environmental, social, and governance strategies, ESG, corporate sustainability strategies. And I'm very lucky to have had the opportunity to work in that space for the last three years after moving from an IT development program. So you were tempted to follow a career path along the lines of social entrepreneurship right off the bat. But Professor Paulson suggested that you at least try an IT role for a little while as an internship. So at least you'd know what you were saying no to. And I think that's important too. Sometimes students, whether it's when they're choosing their major or when they're choosing a career, we say no to a lot of things that we don't really fully understand. And certainly living it is the best way to understand it. But how did that change how you conducted your job search? I was lucky to participate in an ISSLP, the International Summer Service Learning Program that Notre Dame offers. And I was on the ground doing international development work, uh, microfinance research, 
And I came back from that experience, sat down with Melissa Paulson, like you said, and her very clearly that I knew I didn't want to pursue IT management anymore. Even though that was my major, I knew that my heart was in international development and social enterprise. And that was what I was going to do. I remember we were in her office and she smiled and she's always very encouraging, but she she said, you know, maybe you should just try IT management just for the summer, see how it goes. And then you can at least cross it off. And I wasn't really loving that advice, but I thought, okay, fine. You know, she's she's a trusted mentor. And I remember I went into the career fair that fall with an almost militant attitude of how I knew I didn't want to do the corporate route, but I was there because I was following the guidance of these advisors. And I had a laundry list of questions that I was walking up to corporate recruiters with and interrogating them about the impact of their corporations on the world. And I feel bad for those recruiters now having been at career fairs, but the good outcome of that, there was one particular company, Abbott, that the recruiters didn't seem phased at all by my questions and immediately understood you know, what I was getting at and started to tell me about how Abbott, which is a global healthcare company, Abbott was developing products and technologies that were really making people's lives better. And so I thought, oh, I'll go ahead and apply and came into my interviews on campus. And we had a whole conversation about the host of really innovative ways that Abbott was engaging with local communities to address social issues. And it wasn't purely philanthropy. It was using you know, business as a vehicle for driving social change. It was engaging the people in those communities. And the fact that my IT recruiter could speak about this work that he wasn't doing you know, in his own day-to-day, but he knew it was part of the heart of the company, that was really genuine to me. That spoke to me and made me think, this is the kind of company I want to work for. So I felt good going into the summer. Um, but as you know, there's a big lag time between the career fair and when you start. And in that time, you know, I was running the social entrepreneurship blog with Melissa. I was really fired up about social enterprise. So when I showed up on day one, I kind of was in a rut again and wasn't really sure that Abbott was right for me, despite it being a good company. So I set a sticky note in a drawer of my very corporate desk. At the end of each day, I would do a tally mark as to whether or not I thought the corporate route working at a company like Abbott was for me or whether something else, namely social entrepreneurship, was for me. And it's a 10, 12-week internship. And I would say the first four weeks were pretty solid tally in the direction of social enterprise. I don't want to do this. This corporate route isn't for me. It's a lot of training. It's a lot of IT technical processes that I have to learn. And, And I'm not that interested in this. But After those first couple of weeks, once I started to really get into a rhythm with some of my projects, I started to get to know and talk to more of my managers and could see that same affinity and genuine belief that the company was making a positive impact in the world and changing people's lives for the better. The tick started to go in the opposite direction. I started to think, no, I actually think this is this is really interesting how much of an impact Abbott is able to make because of the scale of the company and how even the people in IT are connected to that because the work they're doing connects to the products and the products then make an impact you know, in all of these patients' lives. But by the end of the summer, it became very clear that Abbott was going to be the right choice. And I think that I could you know, feel confident I was working for a company doing good in the world while also getting the kind of intense career development that I needed at that stage in my life. I did not yet know how to effectively influence and drive change and work in a business setting. And I was confident Abbott would give me 
the the tools with which to learn that. Yeah. So I love that very simple sticky note idea, especially nowadays, you know, we have apps for everything and some things are much more complicated, but especially because, and I think I've mentioned this before, that the idea that like our brains are very negatively biased. So your brain will find evidence for whatever story you are telling yourself. So if you are telling yourself, I hate this job, or this is ju- this job is not a good fit for me, your brain will find all the evidence to support that particular take. So the fact that you actually managed to keep a very open mind and sort of look for evidence on both sides is huge. I mean, obviously it changed the outcome, but also I think gave you a much better picture overall of what you were looking for and was a great growth experience. I love just that simple sticky note. Like we we can all manage that. And we tend to remember like the really horrible days, not the really great days or even just the really, let's just say good days, right? Great days we might remember, but like the normal, oh, I did some good today. Those kind of fade out. Those days where you might have a good meeting with a director or a VP and you attend an event that a certain employee network or your internship has hosted, and you walk away thinking, hmm, that sounds like something I would be interested in. I think your point around logging good days, not just the great days, is really important because at least for me, that was one of the reasons why I stayed at Abbott for a number of years. And it's why I recommend anybody work at Abbott, even though I've you know moved on to something else, because I think at these large companies, you can have so many different careers. And there were a number of things I'd be interested in working in. I still think that's true. It's a great company. I just decided to to specialize in sustainability for this part of my career. So we'll talk about that more, I'm sure. Yeah. So but when you did take that full-time position, your peers at school like were not as impressed maybe as they should have been. And we're not as up to speed on the various benefits of Abbott. So talk a little bit about how those conversations went. Because I think that happens a fair amount when you don't choose a company that is a name brand in terms of what your college friends know. Absolutely. I think that was a huge, unexpected outcome of coming back my senior year. I was very proud of my choice. I had made my decision from a very values-driven, purpose-driven place. I thought very intentionally about it over the summer. And it seemed very much in line with like I said, all of my values and and what it was important to me. But then I came back and there was one conversation in particular that I'll never forget where, you know, this person was going to be moving on to another company, a, a large consulting company that is very well known in the business school, very highly respected. And, you know, they asked me where I was going to be going. And I said, I would be going to Abbott. And I was very proud of that. And she smiled at me and she said, oh, so you decided to go with a small company then. And I thought, I don't think that's right. Went and checked. And I think Abbott was three times the size of that very established, well-known consulting company and came to find in my two years in the development program that I I received either just as much, if not more opportunities to travel, to, to work in different environments. I had four different jobs. I lived in Hong Kong for six months. And it's really disappointing that so many people can look at these companies that maybe don't fit into the, the three categories of investment banking, public accounting, or consulting, and think that those are lesser than you know those other options. To be fair, I think there's so much great professional development that can come from pursuing one of those three tracks, but you don't need to go into one of those three tracks in order to receive that kind of fantastic professional development. And some of these companies, I think, have developed rotational programs that are incredibly competitive and the value you get out of them 
is extraordinary. I mean, Abbott's not the only one out there. I know GE has a great program. There's lots of companies who do this depending on you know what industry you might be interested in. I was in IT management, so a lot of people did go consulting. Their experience compared to those four jobs I had the opportunity to, to work in in my rotational program and how much more engaging work, how many different experiences I had you know, I, I speak about being in Hong Kong and how incredible that was to live in Hong Kong for six months and, and work there. But I also was in an audit rotation that had me going to six different countries. I went to Costa Rica, the Netherlands, Ireland. I traveled and all of that was through my company. And it wasn't just packing up a bag on Sunday night, you know, going out, working a hard week and then flying home. It was being in that incredible place over the weekend, developing these awesome relationships. And so I could talk a lot about how much I wish that stigma and that feeling that you need to go to one of those quote prestigious companies that everybody knows and talks about how, how much that limits people's ability to find a fit that they will actually love. You have to know for you that it's going to be the best choice for you. Having grown up in the Chicago area where Abbott is very much a prestigious company to work for, I find it hilarious that you didn't necessarily get that because people who are 19 or 20, and especially if they aren't from the Chicago area, it's just not a company that's on their radar. So we give so much power to people who really don't have very much information. And I think that is a dangerous place. I was lucky to have certain people in my life who were reminding me of how narrow-minded that view was. Um, but it's very hard when you're in undergrad to not take what your peers are saying as the gospel truth. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we learned that in advising early on, that students always listened to their friends way more than they listen to us, which is, which is a humbling role to have. But anyway, moving on. So even though it was a job you were very excited about, you made a very big ask right at the beginning before you even started that you worried that it might actually jeopardize the offer or paint how they viewed you and, and your commitment. So tell us a little bit about that ask and why it was so important to you. Sure. So this is the point in time where I have to just say my continued thanks and gratitude for my first manager, Heather Reimers, who was and continues to be the manager of the IT professional development program. You know, she was the one who gave me the offer to join Abbott and participate in that two-year program. I, like I said, finished the summer, knew that Abbott was the right choice for me, but I had this nagging feeling that I had never actually worked for a social enterprise. I'd run the social entrepreneurship blog with Melissa Paulson. I had spent that summer in my ISSLP in Uganda doing microfinance research. So I'd done things that were all related to it, but I hadn't actually worked with a social enterprise. And that bugged me. It bugged me that I would be stepping on this corporate track that I was excited about, but I had never actually tried this thing that I was really interested in. And I didn't think I needed to go and work for a social enterprise full-time, but I really wanted to try it. I had a couple different coaches, mentors that were encouraging me to just not be afraid of asking. You know, there, there isn't any harm in just asking for a slight adjustment. And I decided that I was going to ask Heather if I could push back my start date. It was originally planned to be in July. If I could push it back to maybe October, you know, November. So I would have a number of months after graduation to go and intern with a social enterprise. I had not decided what that social enterprise would be yet, but it felt important to me to find one and have that experience 
um, because I knew there would only be so many times in my life that I would get a chunk of time to do something engaging like that. I can still picture my room in Welsh Family Hall where I made this call. I was an RA. I'm so nervous that just asking for that extension would somehow put me in a disadvantaged position, you know, for rotations. It would reflect poorly on my interest in Abbott. And I I had come up with all these reasons why it wasn't even a good idea to ask, but something in me convinced me to to do it anyways. And I I explained what my interest was. And I, I said, Heather, you know, what do you think? She paused and she said, Colleen, this is exactly why we want you at Abbott, because this kind of work is clearly a passion of yours helping improve the lives of the people in around the world is something that you clearly value. So I absolutely think this is something that we can work on. Let me go back and, you know, look at the specifics of everything, but this is absolutely something I want to support you in. I was blown away that her response was absolutely this is this is why we want you. We want all of you, all of your passions and interests. We don't just want you to fit this particular mold that you think we want. That's not what we want. We want you in all your varied interests and diversity of passions. And I was, I was thrilled. It's, you know, makes me smile thinking about how that was exactly the right response. Because now after having worked at a company, and like I said, been at these career fairs, that is true. These companies don't need you to be something you're not. They need you to be exactly who you are because you're going to be a better employee if you feel like you can bring your full self to work. If you feel like all of those different things that make you come alive can can be channeled into your work in some way. It is ultimately what I think led me to working on the sustainability team at Abbott because I had this social enterprise experience that I could speak intelligently about and how it was clearly something I wanted to, to focus on in a professional way. Um, so, so Heather saying yes to that. And then, I mean, that was a continued yes, because each time I made a rotation, it was on a different timeline than everybody else. So that was a, it was a lot of work that she said yes to in terms of just making sure each time I could rotate on that altered schedule. And I'm just so grateful for her. Yes. And don't assume before you start that, you know, how somebody's going to react to anything like that, because that, that gave me so much more certainty when I showed up at the door on my first day at Abbott that I was making the right choice for me. Now, I love that. And, and you've done some writing about that particular experience. I know you'd love to talk about it on the podcast, but then it will be a two hour podcast. And so I will put a link in the show notes to the writing you did about that, because I think it would be something incredibly meaningful to you. So you ultimately moved from your IT role at Abbott into sustainability. And I, I have a very clear recollection, which given my memory is, is amazing. But you telling me about the fact that they were creating a job just for you based on these very specific interests that you had, and but you weren't sure you were actually qualified <laughs> for the job. I mean, I think it's clear that you had made your, your interests known right from the get-go. You know, Kate talked a little bit about her fear being imposter syndrome. Cheryl Sandberg says in her book that men will apply for a job with 60 percent of the skills women only once they know they have a hundred percent. So talk about two things, I guess, why they created the role and then how did you get past that fear of not being fully qualified? The long story that I'm not going to get into for the sake of time, you know, involves a monthly meeting that I was having with uh, the senior director of sustainability, uh, Susan Beverly. I have mentioned a number of incredible women who have guided me along my path. I hope that's become clear at this point. Susan Beverly is absolutely one of them. Susan was someone that I was connected with within my first six months 
um, at Abbott. And I won't go into details about connections, but it, it really was just a series of making my interests known to the people in my immediate circle who then kept connecting me to one next person closer to where I needed to be. When I had my meeting with Susan Beverly, who became my manager in sustainability, and I remember seeing a lot of the same books on her shelf that Melissa Paulson had in her office. And that struck me that somebody in this corporate environment could have these books addressing social issues through business solutions. And it it made me immediately like Susan. And I became very excited. I think Susan was wonderfully gracious in accepting all of my energy and excitement and passion and that culminated in an ask at the end of my first meeting with her of, when can we do this again? How often can I meet with you? Which looking back is a very aggressive way to, to ask for a follow-up meeting. But I think I caught her a bit off guard and she said, um, how about monthly? Quarterly would have been very generous, but monthly is super generous. So Susan met with me once a month. We talked about all sorts of things that she was working on. I just wanted to absorb it all. I did not go into those meetings with Susan thinking, I'm going to meet with her once a month and then that will lead to a job and then they'll do X, Y, or Z. I just wanted to learn. But I think that she knew I'd worked at that social enterprise prior to coming to Abbott. She knew that I had ran the social entrepreneurship blog. She knew I had a public policy minor, which seemed random at the time. And all of that equaled this person who had enough of an understanding of the space and a a clearly demonstrated passion for it that there was something there to explore. And that's what it started as. It took nine months for that job to come together. I think that's an important thing to emphasize is that you're playing a long game when you're trying to get into some of these niche areas. But every month we continue to meet and talk about you know, what might be an appropriate role for my skills, what I could bring to the table. Those marketing skills started to come into play here. I was been a, a yearbook editor. I was very familiar with editing and writing. I was a writing center tutor at Notre Dame. All these things that I just did because I enjoyed them started to kind of come together in a, oh, wow, this could actually help the team. It became clear that there was a way that, you know, some of her responsibilities that were just overflowing her plate could be kind of carved off into this job that would be appropriate for someone with my experience level. And that's so important to note too, that we just, when you show up, you know, when you're a couple of years into your career, you can't lead, you know, the most dynamic programs. You just don't have the experience and the know-how to do that yet. But starting with something that is a fit for your experience level absolutely gets you on that path. I ended up developing company sustainability reporting for you know the two years I was there. And along the way, my eyes were just blown open to the whole world of sustainability, to sustainability strategies, to you know how those intersect with actual business strategies, to investor relations and how investors are looking at these reports and using them as a way to gauge you know the long-term success and sustainability of a company. All of that was a new language for me that I got to learn. And, and I'll be honest, that first year, that team, they taught me you know so much. That team of consultants and creatives enabled me to do my job. But come year two, I started to understand the landscape out there of what we could be. And I was very proud of what we developed that second year. It was you know, a huge step up, but it took someone like Susan giving me a chance and being creative. And I think there are a lot more people out there that are willing to get creative and find ways that they can get more people to do 
the plethora of work that they have on their plate, that's in their best interest too. You know, they need help. And so if you show up as an engaged, articulate, patient person who's willing to say, I'm here, these are the skills I can offer. This is what I, you know, I'm capable of doing. Then I think that there are a lot of people who are willing to get creative about ways to get you, get you on the team and get you engaged. So, and you obviously figured out how to get from A to B and, and, and are suggesting that there's lots of different paths and, and, and again, being open and honest and transparent about what you're interested in is, is a big piece of it, but sort of now looking back, do you wish you had majored in something other than IT or, or did it not really matter in the end? It's a great question. I think it mattered. So I will say, I think it mattered because I would not have been, I think, confident or articulate enough and able to articulate my experience, my my interests, my capabilities, had I not been in that development program. And taking one step before that, those development programs exist for a certain number of, of specialties you know, finance, IT, there, there are some, you know, Abbott has a, like a retail, you know, development program. So more sales related, but I think that the development program was huge in, in just my ability to chart out a series of steps that could keep me moving in the right direction. I didn't know exactly what it was going to lead to, but everything I learned in the development program gave me the skills and the ability to talk intelligently about, you know, my capabilities, where I still needed to grow. And while I don't think you can pick, you know, a certain major because it will then lead to a development program, I do think that if there is a certain major that equips you with hard skills and you do find it interesting, maybe it's not, this is my passion that will drive me for the rest of my life, but it's something you're curious about and you're interested in and you think there are a number of things that you would you know, find meaningful in that space. I think choosing, you know, something that could then lead to a program like that at a a company that has the resources and the interest in developing you, I think that's a really smart decision because you accelerate at a rate potentially faster than other roles where your own development is just in your own hands. It's not to say it's impossible, you know, to, to move quickly and develop in those roles, but there's a lot more placed in front of you in a development program to help you climb that ladder and understand more about yourself that allows you to be a better professional. It's not about climbing the ladder fast and getting to the top and you know being in the, the best job. It's about understanding who you are and what drives you and where you need to build skills and adjust and fine tune so you can do those things better. I love your explanation. And I think what you said is often exactly the opposite of what people think. I think sometimes they believe that a two-year development program where they're switching between four different parts, they're almost in a holding pattern for that, right? That if they were focused in one job for two years, it would lead to a promotion at the end of those two years. Whereas if they're jumping around doing all these different things, yes, they might learn from it, but it's going to hold them back. And I love that you are saying it is the exact opposite. And oh, by the way, you might actually figure out which of those four roles is a better fit for you. So I'm a big fan personally, but um, again, I think it's one of those places where there are lots and lots of misconceptions. So great explanation of the benefits. You're spot on. I think that the first part of your career, it is so much more valuable to suss out what you do and do not like doing 
than it is to be hitting a certain pay grade, you know, every certain amount of months. Because what I think is unfortunate is when that is your focus. And then after two, three, four years, you still don't know what you want to do. So you go get your MBA. So then you're at in a graduate school, which might help you on your track. And that's great. But you might still not, you might still not know what you want to do after that MBA. And then it's another couple of years and you haven't been earning money. You've been spending money on a, on a graduate degree in most cases. And so being open to the idea of continued exploration through your professional endeavor for those first two years, I think can pay off in a huge way. And I'll say it too, that I stayed at Abbott for what I think people, you know, in my peer group would consider to be a, a very long, almost absurdly long amount of time for a first job. You know, I was there for just under five years. And I think that I had so much less of a headache in terms of thinking about what else, what, what other job I wanted, applying for those jobs, interviewing, not getting those jobs, interviewing again, switching jobs. Oh, that second job still don't like what I'm doing. Now I have to do it all over again. And you don't necessarily retain the same amount of community and connections and network as you can in, you know, a development program where in those five years, I had five jobs and I had all of these incredible mentors. I've named a number of them, Heather, Roberta, you know, Susan, uh, Kathy Pickus. And these people were always around me as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And, And they were helping make those things happen along the way. And I'm indebted to those women for how much they invested in me. And I just think that that is such a fruitful path and choice to go into, you know, a development program. So I can't say enough good things about it. Clearly not. Um, And I love, you know, how much credit you're giving to all the strong female mentors that you've had along the way. And you actually just entered into your biggest female mentor role of your life. Um, You guys just had your first baby, a darling little girl named Grace. So congrats on that again. But, you know, parenthood obviously changes how we view the world. And so what is Grace helping you see and what lessons do you want her to learn early so that she can define success on her own terms as she grows up? I love this question. It it hits home in such a deep way in this time. So what I want Grace to grow up believing and you need to find out what makes you unique. You need to find out what makes you come alive and pursue that with your whole heart. And that is worth far more than someone else's approval or a certain paycheck. And you can, I think, live a lot more confidently um, knowing that the years that you've spent working are worthwhile and that you have used your time well. And um, I say that knowing I'm very young and there's a lot of years left, but I think that there will always be something that comes around, whether it's you know, getting married or moving to a new location or determining that there's something outside of your professional life that you need to prioritize. And I think that we all have those moments where we look back and we say, was that a good use of my time? And by making choices based on what's important to you and what your values are and where your unique areas of interest lie, you can, you can answer that question a lot more confidently. Well, I think that is a perfect place to end our conversation, but we always really end with the extra credit section of the open book test. So really quick, Colleen, which friend are you in your friend group? Well, you say friends and I think of friends, the show. So I'll answer by saying I'm, I'm Monica Geller in my, in my (laughs) friend group. I care deeply 
I want to talk to you about all the intricacies of what you're thinking about, but I care a lot and I have type A tendencies in too many towel categories. So what's a fear that you have conquered or you are still working on conquering? Cheryl Sandberg has a quote, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And I think that asking myself that question at many different points in my life, but specifically in the last five years, has allowed me to conquer a number of different fears, whether that's fear of not living up to other people's expectations, uh, whether that's a fear of closing a door that I'm not positive I want closed, a fear of doing something that just might be a bit more risky than I'm usually willing to take. So answering that question, I don't know if that gets me the extra credit, but answering that question has been a series of conquering fears. And since it's a non-graded test, it's all good. What is the best course you took in college? The Heart's Desire in Social Change. It was a class taught by um, Father Grudy and Matt Bloom, and it was about business careers and discerning for a number of different people, but specifically in a business way, um, how you can fulfill your heart's desire and drive change um, through business uh, solutions and business careers and vocations. What is your surefire stress reliever? Food. I'm a big food person. A milkshake, cheeseburger. <laughs> I love food. A che- a French fries, Shake Shack. What is a must-read book, podcast, TED Talk, or other resource that you think our listeners should know about? I, I'm like bursting here, but I'll say one. The Defining Decade was huge for me when I was, uh, I read it, I think I've read it three times. I, I bought a box of the books and gave them to all my friends when we graduated. I think it's a fantastic book for somebody, you know, who's in their early 20s. It's a fantastic yep, book. I've read that twice based on your recommendation. If you want to give us one more, <laughs> since you said you were bursting, we have had many guests give us two. So I'll give you that same oh, great. option. Great. Thrive by Ariana Huffington. That one's a little bit more well-being, but I think it's a really important book to read so that you're aware of some of the patterns of burnout that we can all fall into. I think Notre Dame students in particular would benefit from reading Thrive. It's helped me to remember the value of sleep and The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, which I mean is again, maybe off the beaten path a little bit, but I think it's good for ambitious Notre Dame students to to read about. Um, I've loved that book, The Gifts of Imperfection, um, Daring Greatly. Brene's work has been really helpful for me. Yeah, I've read several of hers and she also has a fabulous podcast. Actually, she has a couple of them. So, but listen to this one first and then go find Brene. (laughs) (laughs) So Colleen, thank you so much for your energy, your excitement, your passion. As always, it just like, I mean, I hope our listeners hear it too, but I think it comes through in your voice. They can't see your lovely smiling face, but I think they will, they will pick up on it for sure. So thanks so much for being with us today. So the big takeaways from today are first, ask for all that you want, even if all the details aren't quite in place. Then have big conversations about the things that matter to you with people who know more than you do and might be in a position to help you. Make decisions based on the collective whole of an experience and not just the giant highs and low lows. There's often a lot of good in the middle. 
And finally, be true to yourself and work hard at not following the crowd if it's not going where you really want to go. I hope you're checking out the guest recommendations that I put in the show notes every week. There are so many great books and podcasts for you to check out. There's also a running list on my website, which you can find in the More About Allison link, also in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Please tell a friend about the podcast and come back next week for another great guest. Until then, have an awesome week and we'll talk soon.